0: Hello, I'm Pastor Joe and I'm Pastor Josh and we are back with laundry yard work and Jesus parenting podcast of First Baptist Dandridge. hope you guys are doing well hope that you are loving Jesus hope you're having fun mm-hmm. hope you're happy in life in general. Happy in
1: life and loving this fall weather at the time of recording. Oh, no. I it's, it's, it's wonderful.
0: It's, it's like 68 degrees. It's fantastic. Yes. It's, it's really, really good. This does my soul wonders. It does. So, this is great yard work weather. Look at the segue. I we it. getting you. I like go. it. So, last time we started talking about, uh, you know, it's laundry. we talked about folding clothes and things like that. You had a question about that. Yard work. Let's okay. go around. So, what has been... What has been, like, your favorite yard work tool?
1: Okay. So, disclaimer, I grew up as a kid with asthma, and my parents would not let me do yard work. Mm. So, in general, I don't like it at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I fell in love with uh, hedge clippers. There's just something cathartic about just snipping off small branches from things that does my soul good. And... Yeah, hedge copers
0: That's that's awesome. And here's why, because we haven't talked about this at all. Okay. Other than figuring out where our little icebreaker conversations are going to be. That's true. Is that my favorite tool? Are the thing that changed my life when it came to yard work are electric hedge trimmers. Ah, uh, okay. Because we had these huge bushes, these these big box bushes that kind of lined up our entire house. I guess when they built mm-hmm. um, our home in Florida, they decided that. Instead of paint, they would just put bushes in front of it, and then you wouldn't have to worry about that so much. So I had some head, hand hedge tripping, and that was fun. It was good for a little bit. It's cathartic, like it you is, said. Yes. It also took like an hour and a half and killed my arms and shoulders and everything. And so at some point, I borrowed um, some electric hedge clippers, and then like the next week, I bought electric <laughs> hedge clippers because it came so much time and did such a better job than I could do, and I didn't myself the next day so
1: i can see how that would change things yeah we had this tree at our last house like right up on our back deck and i'd have to trim limbs off of it every now and then because it just got too big and so just for what little you know six seven branches had to cut off that was fantastic it was just a little bit of joy in the middle of the sweat and pain of mowing the yard
0: yeah, yeah. i like fighting those kind of things you know mm-hmm. the the progress you know we talked about one of the best things about uh, jar work that we like is, you know, it, it's the consistent work. It's something you always have to do, like laundry and like, mm-hmm. leading our families. It's kind of why we named the podcast, as if you remember. But the satisfaction of like a job well done. Yes, having something that you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it just takes a couple hours to see the whole, <laughs> the, whole the whole thing, and you feel good afterwards whenever you're you're done. Um, So our big question last time was, we're talking about family worship and what is family worship. And we talked about what, if we've seen that modeled for us or um, when you were growing up, did you have any examples of what it looked like for a family to worship Jesus together? Um, Do you have any, did you have any positive examples like that growing up?
1: Yeah, Um, you know, my family never really did family worship. Uh, We went to church a lot, but there was never like worship around a kitchen table or anything. So it probably wasn't until I was in college and I was around some families that really did this. And it wasn't anything tremendous as much as they'd sit down as a family at the dinner table and they'd talk about things. They would, uh, we'd go over to their house with them after church on Sundays and they'd say, hey, what was your favorite part of church today? And as simple as that sounds, I'd never been around any place or anywhere that had done that. And that really set a tone for, okay, this is this is nice. It's kind of that just little continuation. And that example was very helpful. Um, that same family, uh, they took their kids on mission trips. And that made mm-hmm. an impact for us of how some things we want to do with our kids and uh, like We took Jackson on a mission trip uh, a couple of years ago and just kind of set that tone early of God's invited us into a mission and we're part of that. Uh, so that's probably the the first example and the one that made the biggest impact for me. Yeah. What about you?
0: Um, like you, I didn't really have a, um, a, a practice of uh, family worship in my own home mm-hmm. kind of growing up. So honestly, it just... Seemed kind of weird. We were kind of joking about it. I'm not going to tell the whole story again. But there was one time when we tried, and it did not go very well. It was awkward and embarrassing for everybody involved. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, and we weren't sure why we were doing it. It was kind of sprung on us as kids. We were just kind of like, okay, Dad's got a guitar and a Bible now. Or this, is this is what we're doing, I guess. Yeah. And... Uh, so I didn't, I didn't have any sort of consistency like that model growing up. Or even like, asking questions about what we learned about in church. Because like, a lot of times my parents were my teachers. My mom was my teacher or we mm. were in the same service and they just like why would we talk about we were all in the same room? Why would you, why would you hear yeah. that? Not, there wasn't like the connection. They're like, okay, well this is further conversations. I did have a positive example though for my grandparents. Mm. Um, my grandpa, my grandma, my mom's side um, always when we would visit them During, um, like, summers and and such. You know, military families, so we didn't get to visit them all that often. But when we did, they were usually for, like, longer periods of time in between duty stations. And uh, they would always have a practice of, um, when my grandpa would get his quiet time in the morning, he would always get on the back porch with his cup of coffee. Hmm. And uh, he would just kind of leave the door open and invite anyone to come out who wanted to. Um, and as I kind of grew up and became a believer myself, it became less of an open invitation and more of a direct invitation. Okay. To, you know, come on. And at first it was like, hey, Grandpa's letting me drink coffee. Mom and Dad wouldn't let me do that. So I'm definitely in on this. But have, just having a time of, okay, so he's reading, so I'm going to read. And then we're going to pray together. And we didn't even talk a whole lot about what we read. Uh, we would just share just a little bit, and um, so we had that practice, and then also, um, before dinner, whenever we would have dinner at my grandparents'. It's not like whenever we went out to pizza or anything, yeah. but they would, we would sing, and we would sing, you know, Trust and Obey, or This Little Light of Mine, or something like that, which um, I mean, the songs didn't change even whether we were eight or whether we were 18. <laughs> we were still singing Joy in My Heart or this and all that. So it was weird and it was kind of awkward. It got to eventually, kind of weird, but still, you know, I have memories of singing about Jesus with my grandparents and there are worse memories to have. Yeah. You know? That's good. And so that is, uh, that That was really kind of the only examples that I had kind of grown up. So... um, so here's the deal. I'm a children's pastor. Yep. And you're a youth pastor. And we didn't have this model for us growing up. And if you read Dr. Whitney's book, uh, if you're, um, it's available in the library, by the way. Uh, if you haven't, unless they're all gone by the time you're listening to this, it's possible. Um, he talked about how even in his class, he asked even when he was teaching about this. He asked how many had a model of family worship growing up, and very few, maybe 10% or 15% or whatever, people would say, yes, that's, that's us. Yeah. Um, how do you overcome that? <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I had a similar experience in seminary. Uh, I was in an evangelism class, and the professor had us all raise our hand if we grew up in a Christian home, and then which most hands go up. And then he said, how many of you in your Christian home talked about reaching your neighbors for Jesus? And I think there was like two or three hands still up after that, and that made an impact in the sense of as Christian homes, we talk about Jesus, we go to church, but it seems like we don't have a whole lot of Jesus at home. Yeah. And uh, that kind of similar impact uh, really impacted me uh, as I looked at Megan and I to say, how can we be intentional about letting living on mission as a family, and, you know, it kind of bleeds into this conversation because I think we have to start and say, where are we? Where are we at? And for you and I, even just looking and saying, we never had that example. Yeah,
0: which means not only what do you do, but how do you know you're doing it right? Yes. How do you know you're not messing things up? How do you know you're doing enough? How do you know you're not doing, you know... Are you overdoing it, and making it weird? Are you not doing enough? Are you going too easy? Like, mm-hmm. there, there. When you don't have that example, when it's you know unexplored terrain, you know, yep. when it's wilderness, it, it, it's intimidating.
1: It is. It is intimidating, and I don't know about you, but I, I kind of get this. Okay, where do I start? Like. You're looking into this unknown, and you're thinking, I don't want to mess this up. I feel like I'm already messing my kids up anyway. Yeah, sure. Oh, so we are. I, it's right. <laughs> we <I> mean, are. <laughs> so I'm just going to add more about this. and uh, But I think at some point, we have to acknowledge, I am scared. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge, I don't know what I'm doing. But there's this f- step of faith Definitely. to where we stop and say, Lord, I don't know but I know I want my family to love Jesus. Exactly. So can you help my, Jesus, help me. That attitude, I think, helps us as parents trying to figure this out. And it keeps us dependent on the Lord to lead us and guide us. And I think as, if our kids see us depending on Jesus, that's a win in and of itself right there.
0: Right. Uh, you know, the verse that comes to my mind is, <laughs> Jesus, You know, my grace is sufficient mm-hmm. for you. Um When we think about how do we lead our families to to love Jesus and have fun, as you put it, I love the way you put it, as we're we're trying to establish these habits that focus our families on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something that pleases the heart of God. This is a step of faith. This is a step of obedience. And so um, you and I and um, when we're doing this with with, with our families, uh, with our spouses, this is not that Jesus is there, too. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is there, too. And he's not going to kind of leave us hanging. Like, okay, you're on your own now. I mean, thanks for trying, but good luck.
1: That's right. Yeah, no, and there, there's a step there that says, you know, I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to trust that God's going to meet us there. And, and it's, it's going to be awkward. It is. It is. And listen, I have said a hundred times over, you know what? Embrace the awkward. Mm-hmm. Lean into it. And let Jesus work through it. I I tell people awkward is my superpower, (laughs) and it's what I do. And I think as families, we have to understand that. But, you know, the other thing that I have found, uh, whether it's like praying with my wife or praying with my kids or just any of this, I think there's a, a, a spiritual warfare aspect to this. There is. To where we can be defeated before we ever get started. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we'll let our flesh or the enemy convince us that we're not good enough to do this, that we, we're just going to mess it up. And that fear can become this paralyzing force in our life when God's saying, no, just step out in faith and I'll meet you there. Sure. And that's why for me it's been so helpful uh, to have that attitude of, Jesus, I need you. Please help me. Uh, You know, we said it early on in here. We're not experts. Right. We don't claim to be experts. Uh, You know, I've been a student pastor, kids pastor since I was about 24 years old. I've been walking with parents who are much older than me doing this for a much longer time than I have. And I keep coming back to, I don't have the answers, but I believe that God's word does. And when we look to him, he gives us what we need. And the more we keep that attitude, the better off our families are going to be as we seek to go about family worship.
0: Definitely. And not only is that, so when you're trying to establish a healthy habit, there's always that resistance, mm-hmm. like a psychological resistance, much less spiritual warfare yeah. that's occurring. Um, and that can continue on even through like your first experience, right? So you sit down with your family like, okay, we're going to do family worship. We're going to try this. Yes. We're going to do this. And then it blows up in your face or you survive. Instead of leaving going like, hallelujah, there were angels in the room singing along with us. All, you know, five people got saved. There's only three people in our family. Like, this, is, like, this has been an amazing amount of times... It's it's you could leave like okay well we sent our kids to bed we planned on doing this for like ten minutes we got through six and this was a disaster and I'm awful and horrible I'm gonna crawl under my blanket and be done and I just want to encourage you like again we said it earlier I don't just want to regurgitate the same things but anything that's worth doing well is worth doing badly at first yeah you know um, God part of the Red Seas right but whatever. They were going to the Promised Land when Joshua was in charge, and they were going to the Promised Land. And they had to cross the Jordan. They had to get in the muddy water first. Yeah. Before God split the river for them to go, and so sometimes it's just going to take a little bit of getting, getting into, right? Sure. Uh, embracing the awkward, rejecting fear, and just saying, "Hey, it's not going to be pretty, but it's got to happen."
1: Yeah, that's right. And you know, I, one of the things that you have talked about, which I think is super helpful in here, is. Uh, on a practical level, these degrees of discipleship. Uh, So can you explain that a little bit more? You've talked to me
0: about it, but I think it's super helpful in this conversation. Sure. So one of my mentors in the faith um, was a big baseball fan, a baseball coach, um, came a chaplain, and he shared with me a, a, a devotion he uses with the teams every time. and It stuck with me. It's applied to me in a couple different areas where he says, if you are... Starting at home base and you're looking at first base, it's a straight line. Mm-hmm. But if you take even one step to the left or the right and you just keep on walking, you just move, just shift one degree over and you walk all the way out into the outfield, then you're going to end up off the line by a fairly good margin. Mm-hmm. And if you make two or three sh- uh, shifts, you're going to end up, you know, out in left field. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're going to be in a totally different spot. And so, his illustration with that was looking at, you know, how we need to keep an eye on ourselves for sin. We need to watch our steps to make sure that we're not shifting. But I think that's even really true for discipleship with our families. How we're on a trajectory. Your family is on a trajectory. But if you can add or shift one habit in your family life to glorifying Jesus, don't underestimate the power of time. You know, if you if you have an eight-year-old that you're starting with, then you're going to have, Lord willing, at least 10 years of steady, consistent walking with God in these habits. Um, even if they're 14, 15, 16, that's still multiple years uh, of saying, this is important and this is what we're doing and this is how you walk with Jesus. And over time, even if you just make one or two shifts, Uh, in your schedule, and your family life, over time, it's going to have a major impact on you. Um, I kind of think of it like investing for retirement. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know? Yep. Like, we all know we're supposed to do it, but we don't know exactly where to start, or at least I didn't know where to start, and I still don't have a huge handle on that. But here's what I know. It would have been great for me to start whenever I was in my 20s. -hmm. I I didn't. But I need to start whenever I started. whenever it is it's time to start right to get yeah. ready. And so I think discipleship is in a lot of the, the same way. You make a, a, a commitment to one or two habits that you're going to start and try to nail mm. and then over time that can grow and flourish and, and it will have an impact in your family.
1: Yeah I, and I, that is that's a good thing to keep in mind because I think we need to keep going back to what is family worship. And that is habits that focus our family on Jesus. And those, a habit is something that takes time to develop. And we can get caught up with this notion of this looks like my family sitting around the fireplace with the guitar and we're singing songs and I'm teaching a lesson. And for some people that might work, but most people don't start there. Mm-hmm. And it those habits take time to develop. And we need to... Always be quick to give grace to ourselves and grace to our kids yes. and our spouses. Yes. Uh, in this whole process, uh, and and this, that is a helpful attitude that we have to have if we're going to overcome some of those fears and
0: obstacles that we've kind of mentioned. Definitely, definitely. And again, Jesus is worth it. Mm. You know. Again, think back to my grandparents. Awkward sitting sitting around as a fifteen year old singing this little light of mine, right? Yeah. But that was that was just how they lived. Hmm. Right? That that was the heavy there's there's no doubt that they loved Jesus and that they used what opportunities they had to try to point us in those same directions. Um, and in our own families, it's it's not gonna be perfect.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not gonna be, you know, a hundred percent consistent all the time in every way. But um, but Christ is worth it. We, we want our kids. You know, I, one of the things that was in the book that, that really jumped out to me is when he said, you know, if you practice family worship, then maybe your kids don't need to read a book like this. Yeah. You know, I would love to lead my family in such a way that when my kids have their kids, mm. that they could sit back and say, okay, I don't know how to do it perfectly either, but here's what mom and dad did and they tried. Yeah, and they have a starting point for for them to lead. Hopefully, my grandkids to love Jesus, which is the goal. It's not just we don't just want one generation. We don't we want to pass the gospel on to our kids and lead them in a way that they can lead their grandkids and so forth and so on. I think I skipped a generation, but whatever. You get the point. But
1: yeah, no, that generational discipleship is something that needs to be uh, part of how we pray and how we think through this, because. I'm praying that my great-grandkids love Jesus, not just that my kids do. And all of this makes that more likely. There's a ministry that has been uh, helpful to me over and over again, and one of their mottos is we want to make it simple, and we want to make it likely that your kids come to know Jesus. Mm. And I think that's a healthy way to approach this, is when we look at family worship, let's keep it simple because we believe all of these things will make it more likely that our kids follow Jesus long into adulthood. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit. What what if you're that parent that maybe you know you should have been doing this? You talked about retirement, should have been saving True. earlier. Uh, but how do you get started if you feel like it's too
0: late? What would you say to someone in that position? I would say that it is don't believe the lies of the enemy. First off, it's 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 never too late to obey God. <laughs> mm. <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's never too late to do that. Um, to uh, the, the, I think something you know when we were talking about something you said that was fantastic, and so I'm going to take I'm going to steal it now, but I'm giving you credit. Okay, steal what is? It's okay to start with an apology. Mm. In fact, it's probably best to start with an apology, um, and just kind of own own it. Right. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, you don't stop parenting whenever when your kids turn 18. Mm. You know, I've threatened and I've been threatened to, yes. hey, you turn 18, goodbye, sign our, see you later. This is good, good luck to you. Uh, of course, we know these days, you know, we'd be lucky if our kids are out of the house when they're 26, 27 and <laughs> getting going. I mean, it's fair. Uh, even if they're mature, who knows if they can even afford a place to live with uh, with the way things are going. But you're always going to have an influence, even if the way that looks shifts. Mm. You know. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, that's a good word. Uh, I think that's a helpful question because a lot of times when we read resources, like even the family worship that we're on, um, and some other books about uh, just Christian parenting. They kind of start from the beginning, yeah. Like, you know, you do all this, and things just line up well. Uh, but what about, you know, the family with a fourteen-year-old that you've never done this before, and now you're saying, "Hey, let's <laughs> go about family worship," <laughs> and they're like, "What?" You know. Um, I think we need to be able to speak into that, yeah. and that's why being sincere is very helpful, and which is why I think an apology is the right place to start. Definitely, because it communicates listen, I love Jesus. I want you to love Jesus. And I've not done this well. And I'm not trying to say I'm perfect, but I want to try. And one thing that I've learned dealing with teenagers, in particular, really kids of all ages, is they can read through the lines. And typically they can see sincerity from us as adults. And that's where that has to start, as well as just being prayerful about it. You know, I think we too often forget to pray for grace. Definitely. And to say, you know what, Lord, I really want to get this right. You give me your wisdom. You give me your discernment on how I go about
0: doing this. And I think it's really helpful, something you just said was great, was being transparent
1: mm.
0: instead of just saying, all right, I'm the parent we're doing this now. And and, yeah. sp- and springing it <laughs> yes. on them like I had, it may or may not have had happened to me. You know, which which kind of leads, is because, because your kids are spiritual beings, too. Mm-hmm. There's spiritual warfare there. There is, they may or may not be believers. Yeah. And um, it will be helpful to lead out of relationship and transparency there instead of, particularly the, the older they are. That's yeah. the case. I do want to say another word, too. It's always good, you know, starting younger would be better. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think, I think everybody would acknowledge that starting younger would be better. But family worship also doesn't guarantee your kids salvation or that they're not going to stumble or they're not going to spring. Like, it's not too late when they're 16 or 17 to start. But also, if you start when they're 2 or 3, that's not a promise that it's going to work out either. Our kids are spiritual beings. They're going to have their own journey. But God is sovereign, and we faithfully teach the gospel and live the gospel and point them acknowledge whenever we mess up and what we do when we mess up and we trust that um, we're putting our kids on the right path and that God is, God is at work in them. Yeah, that's,
1: that's good. And you can't get away from that element of at the end of the day we're trusting the Lord with the salvation of our kids. Yeah. And we just can't get away from that. And it for me that keeps me going on my knees to the Lord in prayer uh, because I'm seeking Him to move. Well, this has been a good conversation. This was helpful for me. Um, We've tried to finish this with kind of a question that makes us think. Yes. And so this week, as you're coming to the end of this episode, uh, the question that we really want you and I to think through, but whoever's listening, whoever you may be, uh, think about this this week. What is your biggest hurdle to family worship? Think about it. Let it simmer. Yeah. Let it marinate. Let let it marinate. Stir it up. Stir it up. That's right. And then once you find that, talk to Jesus about it. Mm -hmm. And just have an honest conversation with him and ask him to help you overcome that. So what is your biggest hurdle to family worship? Hey, uh, as we finish up, I wanted to also let us know that we'd love to hear from the hemisphere, the, <laughs> the, the, the hemisphere of podcast world. The
0: hemisphere of podcast I don't world. know if
1: that's a thing, but I it use it. It is the, now. Uh... It is
0: now. Yeah, so we want to know. Uh, we just don't. Right now, we're just kind of talking about stuff we want to talk about. And we feel led to be talking about. Yeah. But we want to, in the future, be able to talk about things that you want us to talk about. And think through. Not, again, that we... were. Present ourselves as experts in any and every field that you have, that you could have, yes. but we'd love to be able to talk out and keep this conversation going. Not just not just between us, but with, with you as well. So, yep. Um, and we, uh, you're welcome. If you
1: see us in the hallway at church, just come up and say, "Hey, I listened to the podcast. Uh, here's a question for you." Uh, we'd love to get that input, but also we've got a a phone number that you can text uh, your questions to. And that number is eight six five six eight six six nine seven three. If we can figure it out, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but if not, you have it there. Rewind, and uh, you're always welcome to come out and talk to us.
0: Definitely. And you know, we, we you send in a question in, um, probably we'll do it anonymously, mm-hmm. so that way we want uh, you don't no one has to have any um, you know. I'm afraid of asking this because I don't want everybody in the whole church to know that's not that's not going to happen. So, you know, if we get one or two women, we might deal with them as the episodes come on. If we get uh, a good little group, we might have a dedicated Q&A episode or something like that. We'll, we'll figure it out. It's really up to you guys. If you don't send us any questions, then we don't. That's right. We're going to have to start making questions up. <laughs> These are the questions you should be asking.
1: 100% true. Well, hey, it's been great. We are excited about what God is using this podcast to do. Yep. And we are praying for you and we hope that you have a fantastic rest of your day.
0: Absolutely. God bless you. We'll catch you next time.